welcome podcast listeners to another episode brought to you by Hacker Public Radio. I'm your host for today, Phoenix. Fin- uh, uh, well, I'm very lucky to be joined uh, not just by one guest, but by two uh, previous HPR interviewees, uh, Chris John Riley, who I personally interviewed myself for episode uh, 315, and Frank Brajek, who fellow HBR host Ken Fallon interviewed for episode 298. Um, welcome, guys. Firstly, Frank, I'm, I'm sure I pronounced your surname there wrong. Uh, how do you pronounce it again? Is it Brajek? Yeah, I'm, as, as, as HBR listeners know who, who've heard me interview people before, I'm absolutely terrible at surnames, so I do apologize. Um, can I... Uh, for sure, you're not the only one mangling it. <laughs> so I'm quite used to it, but it's okay. Just say Frank, and I'll listen. Yeah, don't worry. That was my plan from now on inwards. It'll be Frank, maybe even Frankie from time to time. <laughs> um Firstly, could I ask you guys to introduce yourself um, to the HPR audience, please? Uh, I'll start with you, Chris. Um, well, yeah, my name's uh, Chris Riley. I work for uh, a bank in Austria as a, an IT security analyst and penetration tester. Um, I was lucky enough to, to go over to the, the Black Hat DEF CON events um, with a nice shiny press pass. So they let me uh, go without paying and get into all the backstage areas and talk to the, the speakers. Um, so I thought it would be a good chance to come on and have a quick chat with you about uh, about what we saw and what the event was like. And Frank, um, please introduce yourself to the HPR audience. Yeah, um, well, as I said, I'm Frank Breda. I work for uh, Schubert Phyllis as a security engineer. Uh, I'm also the author of a open source program called Nessus, which was covered in the the um, HPR podcast with, uh, with Ken. Uh, and I was lucky enough that my boss paid my uh, my tickets to uh, and entrance to Black Hat and DEFCON. Um, I hooked up with Chris, who I've met through Hacker Public Radio, interestingly enough, because um, there was a link between the two podcasts. And yeah, we decided to hook up in Vegas and um, see what we could do. Brilliant. Um, well, th- just to give the, the HPR audience a quick idea about the, what we've got planned today, is I've asked both Chris and Frank to, to, to jump on the line with us uh, and just to kind of talk about uh, a hacking event that, that, that ethical hackers around the world will know uh, as DEFCON. Uh, DEFCON 17 was held in Vegas this year, and as, as, as both the guests have already said, that they, um, that they both attended the event. So what I've asked them to do is just come back and, and share what they found out for us, uh, for you guys. So I suppose my first question is, you know, how would you describe DEF CON to someone from the HPR audience? Well, it's it's important to, to kind of tell the difference. There was two conferences that went back to back. Um, there's Black Hat followed um, directly afterwards by DEF CON. Um, the two events are kind of like polar opposites of each other. You've got the, the first two-day event, which is Black Hat, which is slightly more of a corporate event. You get the people who come there from uh, various different vendors around the world. You know, they talk, they sit down in suits and talk about security issues. Um, not quite as bad as it sounds. I mean, it's, there's a lot of very technical stuff going on at Black Hat. You have to sit down meals and things like that. And as soon as uh, Black Hat finishes and winds up, the, the next day, DEF CON darts, which is 10,000 people in jeans and black t-shirts running around causing absolute mayhem and um, you know, looking at very, very technical presentations. Yeah, as Chris said, it was the corporate, corporate conference, but I think it's the 
most technical and most cutting edge uh, break, yeah, groundbreaking conference in security there is, uh, whereas the other ones, for instance, an RSA conference is far more formal, far more, yeah, defense, compliance, uh, that sort of thing. Yeah. This is so, really about how do we break stuff. I mean, my, my, my feeling about DEF CON really is, is that it kind of shows, I mean, I've got to be honest with you, I've, I've never been and I, I hope to get, I hope to get to one my, uh, one day, you know, and it's, but my kind of feeling for DEF CON is, is it's kind of like all the hackers go for a trip to Vegas and a con, you know, and a conference broke out while they were there and it, and it, you know, and from what you feel back, I mean, I know a lot of people put a lot of hard work into it, but it's, it's like a chance for, for hackers to show other hackers the stuff that they found you know, to actually find an audience that's really interested in how this is broken or how we fix this or how this is wrong. Um, do you think I'm kind of fair in, in thinking that? I mean, it it's really is kind of like the high point of the calendar for the year for, for people who work in IT, people who work in, in like penetration testing or even the defense side. They tend to focus their entire year around DEF CON because that's when all of the big research comes out. That's when all of the things that people have been working on for the last 9 to 12 months suddenly come out, do a talk on it. You get kind of like a lull for a, about a month before DEF CON and Black Hat because people don't want to talk about things until Black Hat hit and DEF CON hit. And then it's just all out mayhem for a couple of months. Yeah, I mean, it's I also the chance to, like you said, it's one of the few chances to actually disclose this information um, in, a, in a legal way and to, to show off in a, uh, in a more legal way than to sit down with somebody and actually break somebody break into somebody's system. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think DEFCON has a reputation for being a good place for disclosure. I, I, I mean, each DEFCON that I can remember back to, there's always been a big discovery announced at DEFCON, um, just to, you know, from DNS issues to, to you know, iPhone problems, you know, uh, is, a, is a prime example. Um, I mean, what what were some of the highlights for you at the event, uh, Frank? Uh, well, you, you 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 touched on the iPhone one. That was a very very interesting talk uh, talk to sit uh, to sit and watch. Uh, also, because it was uh, yeah all over the all over the news. But I think the really biggest issues that were addressed were around uh, SSL and, and SSL certificates. Uh, really, three talks uh, disclosed vulnerabilities, uh, both uh, Moxie Martin Spike and uh, Dan Kaminsky came up with the uh, with the same uh, exact same vulnerability. Although um, Dan uh, uh, admitted that Moxie's exploit for it was was much better than his own, um, and they just seriously um, highlighted that uh, you can't just say, okay, if I've got this padlock and my browser doesn't say something is wrong, uh, I can trust the site. Yeah, it's, it's it's always been the case where people have kind of relied on SSL as the the security for their website. They don't care what's going on underneath that because SSL will always protect them. And you know, we've, we've been trying to tell people, people in kind of our industry have been trying to tell the developers, okay, look, SSL is not always going to be there to save you. Um, so, you know, this kind of research comes back and says, look, you know, we need to do more in regards to security and defense in depth um, and not just rely on SSL to, to save everyone, which are 
is kind of a good thing. I mean, it's, it's nasty that it's broken and it's it's not working like we want it to be, but it's nice that we actually can look back at this and say, well, that is the reason why we should be doing this better. It's funny that, that you know, we're talking about SSL and, uh, and the iPhone. There are probably two examples of why uh, hacking conferences and disclosures are a very important thing. You're talking about two, you know, iPhone as well. And iPhone's a prime example of two weeks before, as far as the, the media has, has reported this, two weeks before DEF CON, the, the, the Apple were told about the, 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 the iPhone vulnerability um, and, 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 and had done nothing up until it became breaking news at DEF CON. And then all of a sudden, within you know 48 hours of it hitting BBC News 24, you know all of a sudden there's a, there's a patch available for for uh, you know patch available at iTunes to, to to fix the problem. And with SSL as well, I mean the, the security certificates. I mean it feels like for the past 12 months that's always been banging a drum about that that there's problems here that 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 you know there's big disclosures and you know we get to a hacking conference and. You know, and it's finally when it's almost like you know what happens to the media attention for the other eleven months and and three weeks. Do you know what I mean? We, we you know, and this is why I think these conferences are very good in that way. It gives a a, a podium for for developers uh, and and hackers to be able to discuss issues in a probably broader context with other people in in, in the industry who probably maybe appreciate. The issues slightly, you know, probably appreciate the issues that have been found uh, a lot more fuller than than maybe accountants and and and, and so on and so forth. Uh, I just I found yeah. it very funny that you know we, 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 the first two that we talk about are two that you know have been disclosed to the companies prior to them being spoken to uh, at hacking events. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I do have to correct you a little bit there. I mean, Apple released the patch the day after the presentation in, in Black Hat, because yeah. the first BBC, presentation. Yeah, Frank, I mean, the BBC reported saying that actually the guys had spoken to the iPhone guys, um, you know, two weeks before DEF CON with regards to this. Yeah. Um, yeah, but these problems are not easy to fix. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, no, not, it's, it's not like they just had to turn around and just flick one bit. Um, it, it was... It was a fundamental issue with the with the iPhone. There were so it's not just an iPhone related issue. They also um, attacked other SMS. So. Yeah, I, I appreciate. I'm not saying that this is an easy fix. I'm just saying that once you know, if it hadn't been disclosed at DEFCON, would there have been such an imperative to get it fixed so fast? Do you know what I mean? And it's it's the disclosure yeah. aspect yeah. of it that 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 the point that I'm trying to raise. Oh yeah, I mean sometimes, sometimes without the disclosure, people don't do anything. I mean the perfect example is the the Chaos Computer Congress last year, where there was a demonstration on you know, finally killing MD5 as a, a hashing algorithm, where they took 200 PlayStation 3s and created a false CA certificate. And there was a lot of things that fell into place to make them do that, but it was the final nail in the coffin of MD5, and people have been saying for the last three to four years at least, that MD5 is dead, please stop using it. And it wasn't until that presentation that all of the CAs that were still using it turned around and said, okay, we won't use this anymore. And it wasn't until that day where they said, okay, we've seen the presentation now, now we finally believe you can break it, now we're not going to use it anymore. And it was one of those things where they'd been told for years, and they just needed that proof before they would actually do anything about it, which is yeah, depressing. I think, uh, which was also part of, of, of Marlin, uh, of Moxie's talk. Um, about SSL, he said, 
last year I did a presentation and then Microsoft came out and said, no, this is not an issue because this, that, that, and that. So to prove that it was indeed an issue, we created a fake Microsoft.com certificate and a uh, signin.live.com uh, certificate. And all of a sudden, the issue gets fixed in, in Microsoft products. So it is an, it is an incentive um, for, for people to go and fix stuff. Um, on the other hand, um, we do have to realize that, um, that there's disclosing and there's disclosing. There was a, a subtle but distinct difference between, for instance, the iPhone um, talk and other talks which were about, uh, to take, a, take an example, USB attacks, to take the opposite end of the spectrum is, um, it was this researcher, Ravel Dominguez, who was saying, well, yes, I, I have this, uh, this exploitable function in the USB kernel driver in Linux. If I put my customized um, USB stick in it, I own your computer, but I cannot disclose where the actual vulnerability is. Whereas if you looked at the iPhone presentation, um, they literally had the SMSs they, uh, they used to do the compromise written on the bottom of the slides. So anybody paying attention could piece the bits together. It's not only that. I mean, we, we're kind of bunching some things together because it's very easy for us to kind of group together the iPhone vulnerabilities that were talked about because there's, there's more than one. There was a discussion on SMS, which was uh, primarily aimed at, uh, at the iPhone. There was also another discussion on SMS, which worked across multiple phones, yeah, which wasn't so much of an exploit. Yeah, it's basically where you receive an SMS and it's fakes itself so it looks like a notification from your provider. So sometimes you can get a notification from your provider that says, would you like to update your settings? Yes, no. And your average user is going to go, okay, my, my service provider wants me to update my settings. I'll click yes. It doesn't look any different than a standard service provider, but what that can do then is change settings on your phone. So you can then just receive an SMS and change your proxy settings so that all of your internet traffic goes through a third-party proxy server, I mean, I um, which is obviously a big problem. You know, the, the, you know, for me, the reason why maybe one vulnerability gets picked over another is straight down to, to basic media. You know, the you know, vulnerability in iPhone sells papers. Do you know what I mean? And and it's oh yeah. And and, and you're absolutely right here. Numbers of vulnerabilities discovered, but yet you know, BBC on the on the main because it's it's a catchy title. You know, and it, and it's it's a shame because. You can see how lawyers get involved in disclosures when it comes to information against the brand rather than against a, a service or a product itself. You know, and and I and I think uh, to touch back to what Frank said as well, I think it's it's fair to say that you know I I touched with this with, with Pete was from First Base when I interviewed him recently about you know people just don't believe it until they see it with their own eyes, and I, and I think that's you know where these where DefCon itself is a, is a is a, you know is good because it's a chance for it to, for that sort of information to be shared. I mean, it's, you're right as well, Frank. The big issue as well is is disclosure. I mean, you know, being having gagging orders put on you, you know, that that, that does happen. You know, and and that's not such a cool thing. But you're right as well. You know, 
you have to be responsible about how you disclose that information. I mean, I, I don't know how you how you disclose an SMS vulnerability without telling everyone in the world in one go, because that seems to me that that's the only way, rather than telling small pockets of people. But you have to let that that the manufacturers know prior to that as well, I suppose. Yeah, but the problem is, I mean, who do you tell? You tell the manufacturers of the phones, you tell the service providers in every single country. There's always going to be someone who doesn't pay any attention, and then when you finally do release it, then only that person is vulnerable. So what's what's fair? Um, you can't, as an individual and as a security researcher, make contact with you know 5,000 different contacts. You can only say, well, I can tell you all at once, or I can tell none of you, or I can try and tell you, and if you don't listen, then I'll just, I'll just you know, go public with the information. I mean, there, I mean, there's always issues at DEFCON and Black Hat with, um, with lawyers and things that get pulled at the last minute. There's only, a, there's only a certain amount of, of press coverage, but I mean, prior to the event, all the press coverage was on uh, Barnaby Jack's uh, jackpotting ATMs talk, which got pulled from DEFCON. Um, you know, there's, there's a, there was a lot of rumors going around about that, and there was also a lot of bad press going around about Chris Gates's Oracle exploits for, for Metasploit, mm -hmm. which was completely unfounded. Um, he, everyone was saying he broke Oracle, and now he's going public with all the information, and there was going to be chaos, and it was what he actually did wasn't find the vulnerabilities. It was purely to make them easier to, to, to use during penetration testing to be able to prove to people that these vulnerabilities are already there. And people were saying that he was a bad person for doing it, which I don't agree with at all. No, I, I, yeah, that was, that was really unfair press. Yeah, it was. It, I mean, everyone who, who I know who went to the presentation um, thought the presentation was great, loved the presentation, I loved the functionality, and personally as someone who works and tests Oracle, it's nice for me to be able to test it, exploit these systems, and then say, look, not only do we think these systems are exploitable, we can now prove that they're exploitable, therefore you must be patching this system, and you must make it better. And as you said, people sometimes need to be, proved, you know, to be proved wrong. You need to be able to shove it in their face and say, look what we did, and you need to make this better. And if you can just say, well, we think we might possibly at some point in the future be able to do this, then there's not much incentive for them to fix it. I think what it is is yeah, people find it hard to visualize when you say, oh, look, it's vulnerable to this exploit and this exploit and this exploit, I think people find it hard to, to see the real-life visual aspect of what you're talking about. You know, oh, it's, it's vulnerable to this sort of uh, this sort of exploit. Ah, oh, but when's anyone going to do that to us? And it's not until they see it in front of a screen and go, oh, my God, someone really could do that very easily against us. And I think that that's a, a fantastic... I think it's great that, that, that the ethical hacking community has come to a, a situation where you know it can fill out a Vegas hotel doing this stuff and have tens of thousands of people come and, and from all over the world to come and see this stuff. You know, it's it's a great reflection on our industry growing and growing and growing. Yeah, and in those kind of instances, that's where post-exploitation comes in because it's it's very easy to say you're vulnerable to this exploit and that's it. Um, but business people don't understand that until you can say, and by being, by being vulnerable to this exploit, here's a copy of all of your personal identifiable information for 10,000 clients. And once you can start doing that, it becomes more of a real issue because people uh, at those kind of high levels in management don't understand vulnerability. They don't care if there's one vulnerability or 10 vulnerabilities. What they understand is dollar values. How much will they lose because of this exploit? Or how much could they lose because of this exploit? it's also hard for them to, to also explain to them as well that not all loss is gauged in dollars. You know, if you lose 10,000 customer records, 
You know, even if you don't get fined for it, even what you know, the fact that your customers have lost confidence in you. I mean, how do you? Yeah, reputational issues are sometimes more serious than dollar values. Yeah, I mean, it's it's easy for us guys to appreciate that, but maybe not so easy for for, for you know call center managers to 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 get that. You know, you lose ten thousand people's records. You know, you're going to have ten thousand people very very annoyed. Well, one thing that helps is that there's there's a regulation now that that tries to put liability on on these people. And for instance, when you talk talk about um, regulation that's been put in place that has made CEOs uh, personally liable for for uh, misrepresentation if they didn't take due care to protect their information, um, yeah, they they sort of uh, sort of start to listen, which was a one of the key notes, I think, at Black Hat. Actually, if you look at security, security is getting a lot of, of broadcast time. And we are learning to speak C-level language. I mean, I think, so, uh, um, I think you're absolutely frank. I, I think you're absolutely right, Frank. I mean, there's, there's starting to become more accountability. But the problem is, is it's not uniform from country to country. You know, that there isn't like this global regulator that says, well, you know, the American industry needs to protect its data the same way as the British industry, and the British industry must, lead, you know, that there's no uniformed control over that. That's country upon country who is saying, right, you know, data protection, how you look after information, and so on and so forth. And, it, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, though, and I think it will take a little while. But I think more disclosure of, of the, you know, of the importance of looking after data. And as data becomes more valuable as well, I suppose. I mean... Yeah. But we're moving away to, to, I think this is more the black hat uh, sort of topic that we're, we're addressing <laughs> I was aware right of now. pulling myself back from that. I mean, if Although it does actually, it does actually go hand in hand with the talk that Jeremiah Grossman and Trey Ford did. Um, was it Mo Money, Mo Problems, where they were actually discussing some of the, some of the issues that the bad guys have, um, and it wasn't so much exploiting systems because the the the, the problems they were talking about that they seemed to be very easy. Um, business logic related issues the issues that the bad guys were coming across is what they're going to do with all the money what do you do when you've just stolen 480 million dollars what do you do with it where do you put it where do you move it to <laughs> well yeah i mean their their presentation i mean they're, they're funny guys but the presentation follows on from last year's presentation which is get rich or die trying and it was a very very funny presentation it didn't have a lot of substance from a technical point of view, but from a organizational point of view, it was hilarious to see the business logic flaws that just allowed these people to just to go in and either steal money or cost the company money. I mean, from easy things like um, someone managed to brute force uh, a password or a, a discount code for Pizza Hut, um, which basically reduced the cost of a pizza to nothing. Um, they then made that public, and suddenly uh, Pizza Hut lost $70,000 in one day. Yeah. So the the bad guy didn't make any money, but he succeeded in making Pizza Hut look like idiots and making them lose $70,000 in one day, um, all because someone at Pizza Hut put the wrong code in or put the wrong information in. It's just, um, you know, the attacks kind of only got, got more hilarious from that point. I mean, there was actually some depressing ones as well where someone managed to use a system and use a cross-site scripting failure in a system, which um, allowed you to gain a permit to, to cut down trees in the... Um, in the rainforest, um, and this company falsified a certificate and then cut down 
hundreds of millions of, of dollars worth of trees. Um, and apparently this vulnerability still exists in the system because the government don't want to do anything to fix it. They don't even want to talk about it or you know, verify that the, the flaw exists. Um, so I mean that was that was more on the black hat side, but um, you know certainly DEFCON's more um, deep technical than than the black hat side. The black hat side tends to talk more about um, uh, defence in depth and um, less less technical. Am I right in thinking that that this year's DEFCON was the first one that you two had been to? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, it was the first time in the US, I think, for both of us, wasn't it, Frank? Yeah. The first, first Black Hat in the US, first DEF CON uh, ever. I've been to two Black Hat conferences in, in Amsterdam before, so I kind of knew what to expect there. Uh, but yeah, as this turned out to be America, it was definitely bigger. Can, yeah, I was yeah. Um, with you. What, what was it like when you first got to Vegas and, and saw all the other, you know, saw, saw the event? Was it, you know, was it overwhelming or was it quiet or was it, you know, what was your kind of like your initial feeling when you got there? Uh, Caesar's Palace, just the casino alone, is probably bigger than the town I live in, which is pretty scary. Um, but I mean, I, I, I've lived and worked in London for eight years, so I'm used to huge, great big buildings, but it was just crazy. I mean, it was my first time in the US, and everyone said, well, you just got to remember, Vegas isn't, you, isn't America. You know, Vegas is, you know, it's Sin City, so the rest of the US isn't like Vegas, uh, which is probably a good thing. <laughs> Not probably, it's definitely a good thing. So was it, no, um, was it like... The first uh, thing that strikes you when you hit Vegas is the heat. Oh, yeah. 115 degrees Fahrenheit, I think, for me when I landed. And I landed at night, and it was still so hot that you just couldn't do anything. The first thing I needed to do was just get into it somewhere with air conditioning. I think during the first day we hit 40 degree, uh, 42 degrees centigrade. My, sorry, can't do the conversion that quick, but yeah, it's, it's hot. Yeah, and you know why people stay indoors there. I mean, during the event as well, was it just basically Vegas overrun by kind of security and and hacking professionals? Then was it, you know everybody you go to was there an ethical hacker there or or, or you know? Oh no, no. I mean, Vegas is huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, the ten thousand people for DevCon that are after and, and went into DevCon is like a drop in the ocean for Vegas. I just think um, I was talking to a taxi driver while I was out there. They have to fill two million beds a week. Just amazing, isn't it? So, so the ten thousand people for a hacker conference is is not a, not a big thing. I mean, I saw people around who were obviously hackers, you know, black black t-shirt and jeans, but. Um, you could really you could see who was a hacker and who wasn't because they were really the pale people in black t-shirts with with logos on them that say things like um, "No, I will not fix your computer" and um, "There's no place like localhost." <laughs> Try harder. Yeah, yeah. If at first you don't succeed, conceal all evidence that you ever tried. <laughs> I shall be replacing you with a small shell script. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean. Lucky ever. <laughs> oh. Don't get me started on that. I've recently had a rant with someone about that. That's a whole different subject. Uh, <laughs> Next podcast. God, no, no. I think I'll be put up on. You know, I think I'll be shot and quartered for uh, just bad day and and people not reading man pages. And I never thought that I would ever turn around and I never actually said that, but it was very close enough. 
but let's just say people read man pages. Yeah, well, you know, it annoys me when you, you know, you ask a question that's covered in the first sentence of a man page, and 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 it's oh yeah, you know, and you say right, okay, no problems, you know, read the man page. I've read it and I still don't know how it works. Well, you quite obviously not read it. Do you know what I mean? You're just telling me you have. Do you know? And then that I didn't read it. I I grabbed it. And I couldn't <laughs> find anything. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. I, Kind of off the sidetrack before, really. I'm still getting complaints in about my, uh, my 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 neoliberalism views to reading man pages. Um, <laughs> I mean, what was the what was the highlight for you at Defcon? Uh, was it meeting all the other hackers, or, or you know, kind of I'm using hackers in a very general term, and I'm sure you both appreciate. But was it a really good opportunity for you to meet other people in the industry that? Maybe if you weren't at that sort of event, you wouldn't have met because it's just you know the nature of business, telephone calls and emails rather than face-to-face. Or was it mm. more, you know, there wasn't a chance to get a hold of this, this, this really, you know, listen to these talks in any other kind of place, than, you know, or was it just a mixture of all of those things? You, you are definitely at a conference like this at some point facing the challenge, okay, do I break off this interesting conversation and do I go and sit in a talk I really want to see or, yeah, do I just continue talking to this very interesting interesting guy I've, I've, I've never met before um, or have met before and finally seen, uh, seen for the first time. There's um, not enough time for everything. That's, that's the yeah. thing that hits you is, is when you... Even when you look at the conference and you and you realize there's five tracks, six tracks, um, I think that there was less tracks at, at Black Hat than there were at DevCon. Um, yeah. But it, even even when you look at the tracks, you, you realize there's always two or three things on at once that you want to watch. So there is no way you can see everything. That's just the way it is. Um, and then when you add to that the fact that there's so many people who you, you know through online or through chat rooms or through forums or Twitter or any other resource or people that you've, you've met in person you haven't seen since last year or you haven't seen since uh, Black Hat Europe and you, you just want to go off and talk to these people but you realize that if you do you're going to miss a talk and there's, there's that decision you have to make is either you're there to go to the talks or you're there to talk to the people. Um, and I, getting uh, that balance is very hard to do. I, I mean, I always remember being taught uh, when I first started business years ago, um, when you went to networking events, you really had to make a choice before you went in. Were you networking um, or not working? And it sounds like DEFCON in a lot of ways is about hard choices. Do you know? And I don't think it's fair to say that if you're, you're sitting with a guy that, that having an interesting conversation that you're not working. Do you know what I mean? Because there might be broad news. Oh, yeah. No, it's, you, you have to talk to these people. I mean, I talk to, I, I know a lot of people through Twitter. I know a lot of people through Twitter, as in I, I've talked to them online, but I've never met them in person. So I made a list of people who I wanted to meet. Uh, I, missed, uh, I made the list, and I was like, okay, I need to meet these people. And I met some, you know, some, some people who were doing the talks. I met uh, people like Chris Gates, um, Carlos Perez, who gave a great talk on... He's known as Dark Operator. He does quite a lot of the Metasploit scripts. Um, and I met him, and we, we went out, and we had some, some food, and we had a chat. And I met all the guys from Paul.com, um, the guys from Security Justice, and a few other podcasts. And it was really good to meet those guys um, and talk to them. And I'm not that depressed that I didn't go to a lot of talks, because I know that, that I, can, I can see them again maybe in a month's time. Maybe I'll see them at Hacking at Random in the next week or so when I'm there. 
Um, this is a couple of talks from Jason E. Streets and uh, Dan Kaminsky is doing his talk again. So, so I can catch those talks at, at another event or I can just watch them online when they're available online. But those people are never going to be in the same place maybe never again or maybe not until next year so for me it was more about socializing getting to know these people up up front and in person and knowing when I come back that I'll be able to email them if, if I have any questions and they know who I am now and they can email me if they have questions and this this kind of crowd was all about um, helping each other out you know DEFCON sounds like a really scary place with lots of you know black hat hackers it's not really like that anymore I mean DEFCON 1 or 2 was lots of people who didn't want to tell you their name and only went by a handle and they really did go off and hack websites and as time's gone by people have told me it's got less and less about black hat hackers and more about people in the security industry who just really want to have fun and really want to do technical technical I stuff. Have, I have a question. Um, I've heard a rumor that, that at DEFCON you see Captain Crunch drunk dancing on, on a dance floor guaranteed somewhere in, in the DEFCON event. Either of you see, two seen Captain Crunch drunk dancing on a dance floor? I saw some scary people dancing. Um, oh, I saw uh, Rich, I saw I saw Rich Mogul take his pants down in the middle of a presentation. Um, that was a that was a Twitter bet. He um, someone posted on Twitter while they were doing a presentation that if 50 people retweeted that message, that he'd have to take his pants down in the middle of the of the talk. So immediately on Twitter, everybody retweeted it, and he had to take his pants down in the middle of the talk. So, um, so definitely avoid that one on the video. Uh, he wasn't naked, thank God, but he did have his trousers around his ankles. So. But I think also when we went uh, the last day, when we ended up in, um, I think it was Hot Brown House. Um, yeah, it's it's quite fun to be there together with with people like Dan Kaminsky, who are are, are trying to to manage a, a proper beer. Yeah, yeah, that was hilarious because um, as I live in Austria, Hofbrauhaus is nothing strange to me. I lived in Munich. And we were all drinking, you know, this huge German beer, no problem at all. And everyone from America at the end of one was, okay, that's enough, we're finished. Uh, we were we were ready to just, okay, next. But they were, no, no, it's fine. We're finished for the evening now. Time to go home. So, um, yeah, no, it was a funny evening. We had um, Sherry Davidoff and Jonathan Hamm, who, who did the presentation there, um, Carlos Perez, Larry Pesci, um, yeah, it was like completely stocked with people who were doing talks and and lots of famous names all over the place. Which is, it's one of the only present only places you can go where you can walk down a corridor and you just you know I walk down a corridor with um, with Martin McKay, who does the NetSec podcast, um, and we met um, Kevin Mitnick. So, you know, it's just suddenly in the round, middle of nowhere, we meet Kevin Mitnick. So, uh, it's, it's one of those things where you just you just see things that you're not going to expect to see, and it's it's definitely worth the money. I mean, I paid for it all myself, and and I don't regret it at all. I mean, just kind of to to close into wrapping wrapping up in that. I mean, if you you know if I put a gun to your head now and said what was the highlight, what was What's the one memory, if you're allowed one memory left of the event, what, what was your highlight? Frank, what was the, the, the big moment for you at DEF CON then? I, I, think, I think Moxie Martin Spike's talk was the best talk there. I mean, every time he did another slide and he was going like, well, actually this is a, a Pascal string and it does take null characters. 
and you go, oh my God, he didn't. And then the next slide, yes, he did. Yes, he did. And he goes and shows the code and says, no, just look at it out of focus. There's got to be a vulnerability. And you go, oh my God, he's not found something that if I feed me a certain certificate, my machine gets owned. Well, yes, he did. And, and that kept on happening during, during his talk while he kept his TV. So that was, that was, in terms of talks, that was the, the best experience. And then, yeah, being, being at the Paul.com parties and, and, and the other stuff, that's, that's all sort of a, but that's not a distinct moment. That's, that's a vibe that's there. Well, I was I was very jealous that you, that you guys were at the Paul dot com party. I mean, I was very jealous that you guys were in Vegas, but I was incredibly jealous about that as well. Uh, and Chris, what was what was the, uh, the the crowning moment for you? Oh, it's hard to tell, really. I mean, for me, it all kind of blurs into one. Not only because I've got this horrible head cold, but uh, also because I was spending too long doing things like going to the Paul dot com parties. Um, I mean, I have to agree, Marlin. Uh, Marlin uh, Moxie Marlin Spike. I always get his name wrong. Sorry. Um, his talk was really good. I, I only actually caught the end of it. I, li I liked it when he was talking about the online certificate status protocol. Um, he was trying to explain how it how it functioned and how he could bypass it. And finally, the, the final slide when he was talking about it was basically, um, in order to break the whole status protocol, you just have to return the number three. And so uh, the next slide was that's correct. OS OCSP is broken by the number three. Which I thought was the funniest slide I've seen I've seen at the whole conference, um, but it's true. It's just some of the some of the things he'd found when he talks about them. You just think, why did no one ever see that before? Why did no one ever notice that that uh, that parts of it were written in Pascal and accepted null, and then other parts were written in C and null was the end of a line. Of course, it's going to cause problems. And when he finally talks about it and shows you, it's like, well, yeah, of course it is. It just makes it sound so easy, and you you actually understand it, and it's in your head, and you think, why did no one ever find this before? Um, and it's it's just that great feeling where you actually you can sit through a technical presentation at the end of it, you actually understand why it's a bug. You don't just come out thinking, wow, that was really technical that he broke that, and I have no idea how he did it. You actually know how he did it and why it works, which which I thought was he has a, he has a good gift. If um, just you know if. Someone was going to say I was going to DefCon next year. What bit of advice would you you give me? What what you know? What should I do to prepare myself for going to, to obviously such a big event? Um, lots of fluids, yeah. Lots of fluids. <laughs> sunblock. <laughs> sunblock. Yeah. God. Yeah. Definitely. Lots. Lots of sunblock. Um, it's one of those things. That just whatever you prepare when you go to DefCon, it doesn't matter because it'll be overwhelming when you get there. It's, yeah, don't don't stick don't stick too rigidly to your schedule. I uh, in preparation of this podcast, I did a a read back on on the blog that I posted on, and I think I had this big plan about attending something like well, I don't know something like fifty sixty talks that I wanted to see, and then of course news Microsoft came out with this patches so I thought no I, I really want to be on the news so I'm going to swap this talk for that talk and then at some point I got stuck talking to somebody which which really enjoyed and was really fun and wouldn't have missed it but yeah then you don't want to have regrets that you didn't see that one talk that you were really intended to I mean it is all, all fluid um, 
And I guess the other advice is the good thing about taking this conference uh, abroad is that whenever I went to DEFCON, uh, sorry, Black Hat Amsterdam, uh, it used to be, okay, conference is over, get my car, go home. And now that's in Vegas, I, I yeah, there's, it's, you don't just go home, so you stick around and, and get to socialize. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to socialize. I mean, the the. I mean, I know I've said it before, but the the big thing for me for DevCon was meeting lots and lots of people, and I I went to considerably less talks than Frank did. Um, as you can see by my blog, I haven't actually mentioned the word DevCon. He's got discussions of various things that he went to, um, but I mean, everyone's got a plan until they get hit, and my plan was to go to a load of talks. And as soon as I got there, and I realized what DevCon was, and I saw these people I wanted to talk to, my plan just went out the window. I didn't even look at what was being talked about. If I walked past a room and there was a talk I was interested in, I'd pop in for five minutes. Um, if the talk was starting and it was interesting enough, I'd stay until the end. And if it wasn't interesting, I'd walk to the next room. So I, I've seen you know, half of certain presentations. I saw half of, of Moxie's talk. I didn't see any of Dan's talk um, because 10,000 people were trying to cram into a room big enough for about 2,000. Um, but as disorganized as it can be, it's just great fun. There's so much to see. I mean, we didn't even talk about there was a there's you know two capture the flag events going on. There's a vendor room where the vendors actually know what they're talking about, where you get vendors like Paul.com. Um, you, you can you know buy T-shirts from people like DJ Jackalope and the Exotic Liability Podcast and things like that. So, um, and there's huge areas where things like Wall of Sheep are going on, um, which is hilarious by itself. And there's lockpicking village and a hardware hacking village where you can just go up and and solder chips and practice things. There's always something to do. And because there's so much to do, if you just go to the talks, you're missing out on the other 75% of what's going on at the conference. So if you just get the schedule and highlight everything you want to see, then either you're going to not have as much fun as you could, um, or you're just going to get depressed when you get there and realize there's no way you can see that many talks. So just just in wrapping up, and close to, to wrapping up, what... You know, if I gave you one word, how would you? What one word would you use to describe the whole DefCon experience then? Uh, tiring would be my word, I think. Um, purely because you just don't stop. You you finish talking to people and partying at three o'clock in the morning, but then you have to get back up again at seven o'clock in the morning or eight o'clock in the morning to go and have breakfast. So you've got enough energy to do the next day. Like so yeah. Kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank God I don't have kids. Yeah. Uh, if I have to take one term to describe it, I'll I'll I'll, I'll go back to to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and, and describe it as infinite improbability drive. I was thinking, don't panic, but uh, <laughs> well, don't panic. Well. Mostly harmless would have fit it as well. Right. Well, I, but, I mean, I, I feel that I could talk to you guys about this for another hour, you know, and, and I'm, I'm just, obviously I like to try and keep the shows down to, to 45 minutes to an hour or so, so what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to gonna wrap up. Um, is there anything before we finish that, that either yourself, Chris, or yourself, Frank, would like to, to talk about before we wrap up? Um, never use an ATM at DEF CON. <laughs> um, or the it, network or the network at DEF CON yes um, yeah I mean the, if you haven't heard the uh, usually at DEF CON they hack one or more of the ATMs at one or more of the hotels just because you're in a different hotel doesn't mean you're safe 
Um, this time, as well as hacking the ATMs, that someone actually brought their own ATM and put it in a corner. Yeah, which, <laughs> yeah, which although it's like they they were possibly stealing money from people's accounts, um, and although it got caught pretty quickly, I find incredibly hilarious the fact that they brought their own ATM with them. Um, it just just always makes me laugh. Frank, anything you'd like to add before we we wrap up? Well, um, when you said you wanted to talk another hour, um, I guess maybe next week when we uh, we both finished uh, hacking at random, uh, which is going to start in Fiat and this Thursday, um, might be another good opportunity. I would absolutely love that. I'd really love to pick your your two two brains again, uh, especially fresh from from another hacking conference. Uh, consider it a date if you two are available, without doubt. Oh, you don't want us fresh from the conference, trust me. <laughs> we're, we're, we're camping in the middle of a field. You're probably going to want us to shower. No, fresh, fresh isn't the term. Maybe. There's right. probably no fresh from the conference. No, no. Yeah, well, certainly. I mean, I'm up for that. So, um, you know, if you, if you need us, then just, uh, just send us a message. Yeah, well, you know, we'll, we'll, we, can, we'll, we can talk for hours. Yeah, so. we can, uh, what we'll do is we'll, we'll organize it once we finish, finish this off. Um, all that's left for me to do is um, thank... Um, both, you know, Frank and Chris for, for taking the time out to come and speak to me about this. Uh, I really enjoyed it, and as I said earlier on, I, I you know I could talk about this for another hour, and and I'm sure the listeners will will, will feel how envious and jealous I am of you two for, for, you know, going off and you know, basically you know living the hacker's dream in some ways. Um, if you guys. Uh, uh, just off the top of my head, I, I can't remember both of yours blogs. Before we wrap up, could you tell the audience where people can find out more information about Autonesis, Frank? Uh, information about Autonesis is on uh, www.autonesis.com and the blog posts that I wrote for Defcon and Black Hat are on www.capfighter.net. Okay, okay. And are you both on Twitter? Yes, yeah, I'm both on Twitter. And, and where can they find out, find your blog, Chris? Um, yeah, my blog is uh, www.c22.cc. Um, I definitely recommend Frank's cupfighter.net uh, blog if you if you want to get some good reviews of DEFCON because um, he was certainly going to significantly more talks than I was and significantly less hungover than I was as well. <laughs> well, as I say, thanks very much for, for joining us and all that's left for me to do is thank the HPR listeners for listening to us. Uh, now, before I go, if you would like to do an episode for HPR, um, you can do an episode on all sorts of stuff. Um, the kind of feeling that I have about HPR is if you're willing to talk about it, we're willing to listen. Um, so if you are interested in doing a talk for HPR, uh, you can find contact details on the website. Um, record an episode, contact Enigma or Klaatu, um, and they'll let you know about how best to, to, to get your episode aired. Um, all that's left for me to do uh, is thank you all once again for listening and uh, catch you again tomorrow on the next HBR episode. Thank you for listening to Hack Republic Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.